Welcome to Not The Way I Planned. I'm Carly Cash, and if you've ever found yourself thinking, this is not the way I thought my life would turn out, you've come to the right place. Each week we'll have inspiring interviews, plus tips and tricks to living your best life, even if it's not the life you planned. My guest today is Jennifer Klassen, and we were first introduced because you were the director of a very cool program, Idaho Miss Amazing. Right. Yeah. Right. And I was lucky enough to become involved with that program as well. And in talking, we discovered we both have sons on the autism spectrum. So I wanted to hear a little bit about your story, because since it is this huge umbrella, it can look very different from family to family and child to child. Right. And, you know, especially in 2019, when Ryan was diagnosed, it was about 2003. So oh, wow. really, it was just becoming like the epidemic that it is today. Yes. And we didn't even know as parents, um, you know, when he's a year and a half, two years old, what was happening because autism just was not in anyone's vocabulary. And no. if it was, people thought about, you know, Rain Man, and I hate to use that example, but that's, you know, that's you think all we of had someone to reference. With, with autism, it's like, oh, they're, you know, completely incapable of having independent life and, right. um, which is, abs- we know now is not the case at all. But mm-hmm. So what were some of the signs that you saw where you were like, mm, maybe something's going on here? So he seemed, you know, well, they're, they're, we had twin boys, so it was really easy to be able to compare yeah. between the two. Um, you could just see the stark differences. Um, I would say about 18 months to two years, we started noticing um, kind of slipping away from us. So his eye contact basically disappeared. Um, any, time of, any type of social skills he had, gone. Any words he had, gone. Um, you know, I, honestly, I could narrow it down to like a two-hour period where I was able to see every single one of those things slip out. Wow. So um, he definitely had a regression, which my son did as well. Huge. And it's so huge. scary. It's horrible. I don't know if you started, you know, talking to other moms or saying like, this is happening. But I, I just was, I was like, I knew something was definitely wrong. Right. But everyone around me would reassure me like, oh, he's just being exactly. stubborn. Or, he's a boy. You exactly. know, it'll, the kids go through stages and, mm-hmm. you know, mind you, this is probably before Google. So, I mean, I took my butt to the library and I was checking out books because I didn't know what was happening and there was no, no diagnostic criteria, criteria really at a normal pediatrician. Mm -hmm. So, so what steps did you take from there to, that led you to a a diagnosis? Well, first thing we did was, you know, I went, took, took him to his doctor and um, there's something wrong, something seriously wrong. And, um, you know, went through the plethora of tests that kids go through and, you know, finally sat my husband and I down with, you know, a group of 10 people and we were at a round table and they're like, I'm sorry, your son has autism. He's never going to have a normal life. He's never going to talk. He's never going to be able to go to school. And, you know, I mean, we were 23, 24 years old at that point. So we were scared to death and didn't know what the next step was. And so they used the word autism with you guys. Oh, yes. And, okay. and I think they used um I think they also said his IQ was something like 60, 70. Right. And, you know, that kid tests off the charts in IQ. So that was completely false information. Uh-huh. Right. Um, with my story, we got a PDD-NOS sure. diagnosis. Yeah, we, and we that, heard that word too at some point. I was like, so for those who are not familiar with the autism spectrum, it stands for pervasive developmental disorder, not, not otherwise, otherwise specified. specified. <laughs> but I had no idea what that meant. And right. I didn't know... 
I had heard of everything from Asperger's and high functioning autism to classic autism. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea with the PDD NOS diagnosis what his future looked like because he wasn't talking at this point. He'd lost all of his language and it was just this great unknown, Mm -hmm. which you maybe experienced that. Exactly. Same thing. So you get the diagnosis and what action did you take? Oh my gosh, that was so long ago. Um, and you know, again, it's, this is before services were, you know, really offered. There was no really right. behavior intervention. There was no developmental therapy, at least that I knew of. Wow. Um, so we started with the school district and put him in, you know, in an inclusive, well, he was three, so it would be the preschool. Um, and you know, the speech therapy and occupational therapy and just, you know, all that stuff. Um, the biggest thing for him was probably around five or six when we started the IBI, which I know is kind of frowned on now. The behavior I don't even know what that. Oh, so that was. So IBI stands for what? Intensive behavior intervention. So okay. it's just basically redirecting all of those. I don't want to call them negative behaviors, but behaviors that aren't typical to you know typical kids. Is it similar to ABA therapy then? Exactly. It's, ABA and IBI, I believe, are the same thing, okay. just different. Because we did that, and we did floor time. Which is like a play-based okay, sure, therapy. Sure, Okay. Yeah. So you started that and started did you that, see some success? Huge changes in him. I mean, you know, and a lot for Ryan, I think, has been just growing up and getting a little more confidence in himself that he can do things. Mm-hmm. Um, but the huge change was the behavior therapy and the developmental therapy um, also helped. And did his language but come along? It did. Just intense, intense speech therapy. I think it was, we were up to three times a week, I believe. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, at home constantly reinforcing and, you know, using like the picture communication system that you exchange just to get them to so communicate under- in exactly, their own way. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So we didn't know what he'd want. He'd just cry because he didn't know how to tell us what he wanted. Yeah. I remember the doctor telling me, and this was so shocking to me when we got the diagnosis because I didn't recognize this was the case, but he said, your son doesn't understand you. So I thought even though we're having language issues here, he still understands when I talk to him. Right. And it was so frustrating to go home from that and then feel like I can't communicate with my son. I mean, I, I was talking to him like he understood to some degree. And how heartbreaking as a parent. You just don't know what that, to do. You know, You're, that's yeah. the, the one person in this world you should be able to communicate fully with as your child. And that's it's tough. And so frustrating for them. Right. Like you said, because they yeah. want to have that they want piece. To. They just they they don't have the tools yet. So Exactly. Um mm-hmm. what were some of the bumps along the way that you've hit? Oh. I mean it he's he's, <laughs> he's about to turn eighteen, so he you is. have it just through. seems like every time we get over a speed bump, you know, there's another one coming. So mm-hmm. um I would say for Ryan, um social probably is the biggest thing for him and school. School was incredibly uh, tough and became impossible at, at one point. So just, you know, daily average routines has been hard for him. Yeah. He, does he struggle with change and huge? Not he's doing better, much mm-hmm. better now, but when he, yeah, it was, it was impossible. You know, you turn the car a different way and he's like, wait a minute, you're not, you're supposed to go this way to the store, not that way. And it would just throw off his entire, his entire world. Right. Really. The, the autism spectrum is so, interesting in that i mean i'll be honest with you my son isn't like that at all never has really struggled too much with mm-hmm. i mean he likes routine to a certain degree who doesn't but if I, you know I, yeah I mean, but it's never been to a point where it was really 
disruptive in our lives where it was like, oh, I know a yes. lot of families that have said like, we can't go on vacation or to right. a, a hotel for the night because right. everything has to be the same. Yeah, it, it ran our lives for probably a good decade from when he got the diagnosis to when, you know, he seemed to be doing a lot better. So was there a switch with, I mean, like, was there, um, was there a, just a develop, developmental piece there or was there intervention that helped with that? I think intervention and, and him just, you know, like I said, maturing and getting more confident um, at home, but in the community, not so much because he was a different kid at home than he was when he was away from home. Talk about that a little bit. What do you um, mean? I mean, he was comfortable at home. He'd have his routines, right. and, you know, but, you know, like the meltdowns and stuff was just, or he'd hold it together at school all day. And that poor little kid just, Ugh. you know, trying to please everybody and he'd get home and it would just be, you know, bedlam. And he'd, wow. he hit me and, you know, it just, it was rough for a while. Yeah. He just didn't, I don't think he understood how to cope sure. in that world. And we tried so hard to give him the tools to cope. I think a lot of times they don't even understand their own emotions, no, kids on the spectrum. He wasn't doing anything to hurt anyone or be no. malicious. He just didn't have another way to voice it. Yeah. And sometimes I think these kids tend to have bigger emotions than the average person I too. Agree. And it's just. It's everything's magnified. Yes. Sensory, emotional, all of those things. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, The social piece is so difficult as a parent to watch your kid go through that. Mm -hmm. Um, Tell me a little bit about Ryan's journey Um, socially. Well, I thank God that Ryan was given a twin brother because honestly, that's that's been the best. I don't want to say it's a model for him, but it's been the best thing to connect with someone. And I think. His twin is probably the only person that he's ever really been able to connect, connect with, mm-hmm. um, you know, and especially when kids get to middle school, that's a really, really hard time for a typical kid. And then to add all these things on top, uh, it just, it became impossible for him. So seventh grade, we ended up pulling him out of, um, middle school or mm-hmm. junior high because it just, it just, it wasn't working and no, no IEPs, no goals, no objectives were going to change the fact that. Ryan was just kind of sinking in that school. Right. So, so up to that point, he had been in a regular public school setting. Correct. I mean, we tried charter schools. We tried magnet schools. I looked at every school, private, public in the Valley. And yeah. we just kind of came to the realization that it doesn't matter what method they're teaching. It doesn't matter what school it is. It's just not a fit for Ryan. So, so did you end up homeschooling him? I did. So we, well, we pulled him out um, and we were going to go like the public online route like Mm -hmm. k-12 and connections academy but i still felt like that was too much um kind of pressure on him i think he was having trouble dealing with all the teachers and all the assignments and you know just those pressures so i ended up just finding a homeschool curriculum and and i did it myself and and that's what we had to do so props to you because i it it was i i had to you know so well, and that's what you do as a you parent. You do. Like, we just, just we had find to do it. And, you know, I quit my job and that's just what we did. Yeah. So, so now that Ryan's approaching 18 and, mm-hmm. and you're about to make that big transition into adulthood. Right. Where is he at functionally or what do you see his future looking like? He is a brilliant, kind, funny, hmm. like amazing young man. Um, that's so cool. He's just, he's incredible and... <sighs> it's just going to be hard for him to find the right fit. I think his whole life, no matter what it is. Mm -hmm. So 
Um, he graduated high school when I think he was 16 because we can he get did. so quickly through. He's a brilliant kid. Um, and then he started at CWI. So he's on his third semester. And, you know, we took it slow, like one class at a time because I, he hadn't been in like a public education setting in yeah. so long. We just wanted to start him out slowly. But he's had um, success. He's, I mean, straight A's. Wow. He's going to be full-time next I, semester. And that's so, amazing. So cool. <laughs> Again, it's just mind-blowing to me how different it can look. Sure. And uh, we have to remember, like, they're people. Like, they have a diagnosis, but they all have their own strengths and weaknesses, just like everybody right, exactly. else. And They're just different. And my, it just might take them a little bit longer to, you know fight through that but they can do it just like we can but my son's story looks completely different he struggles in school so much and i think people here so he ended up going from the pdd nos diagnosis to asperger's i I was just that's what i thought but people (laughs) assume when if you ever mention and we're pretty private about his diagnosis and Mm -hmm. he is at a point where he's like i don't want anyone to know i understand which i totally respect right Right. but when people hear asperger's they think oh he's a genius he's really smart and it's like yeah he just might be a little quirky like like, it's not really he has average intelligence he does and if he gets into a subject like right now he's super into sports so Uh he can tell you any sports stat and but Ryan's then this, Ryan does that as well. Put him in a math class. <laughs> and I mean, it was just a constant struggle this year. And so I think there are so many misconceptions. You said he's 13. He's just about to turn 13. That's about the age when Ryan started really struggling. Yes. I think there's, you know, going into middle school, there's an organization piece that's different than elementary school. Right. You've got all these different classes and all these different teachers. Loud hallways and, and crowded. And yes. All of that. Some kids don't thrive in that situation. And yeah. And we're still. It's really hard. Trying to just be open minded about what mm-hmm. to do. And there are so many different routes that parents choose to take with their child and this type of a diagnosis. And I respect anyone like you do what's best for exactly. you. Exactly. And your child. Mm-hmm. And we have been a little unique, I think, in the sense that we we did intense therapy from the time he was two to five or six important part right there. But after that, we kind of pushed him into normal classrooms, Mm -hmm. regular sports programs. That's what you want for your kid. And we felt like we wanted him to have like typical models mm -hmm. from other children that didn't have some of these issues. And we wanted him to be around that to hopefully just set a good example sure of how you should behave or you know what's expected and i didn't i've never wanted asperger's to be an excuse for him so i didn't want him to go to school under special circumstances because i felt like he could do it Mm -hmm. and at this point he's getting through his grades are not fantastic but we made it through sixth grade right and i'm like i think when we get if we get to a point where He's just not making it through. Mm-hmm. Then we might have to look at something differently. Yeah, um, but and thank God now there are options that if yeah. they aren't making it through, you have, you know, a power as a parent to sure. change their situation. Sure. And, and I think about, you know, not too long ago, a, a child like my son would have just been quirky or troublemaker. Weird. weird. Right. But there right. would have been no guidance for 
parents or for teachers mm-hmm. to know how to handle it or why their behaviors are the way they are, or why they think the way they do or why they have it's some of these quirks. A long way. A yeah. Long way. I, I've, I've always kind of like struggled with a diagnosis in that I don't want to label. I don't like sure. the label thing and putting them all in the, you know, right bucket. But I, at the same time, you have to see it as a blessing because it can help you help your child and help them understand themselves mm-hmm. as well, you know. And without that label, you're not going to be able to receive services. So exactly. sometimes just getting that diagnosis, you're like, okay, we got it. Now we can run with it. Yeah, so. we can get the speech therapy. Mm-hmm. We can get the occupational right. therapy or whatever your child needs. Right. Is Ryan fully aware then that he has autism and aware of his struggles? He is. He is. Um you know, we don't we don't openly like talk about it all the time. We're no. not like, oh, you're autism. You know, we, we right. don't. But he's definitely aware that he's much different and things are just harder for him in certain mm-hmm. ways. And other things are much easier for him. You know, he can rattle off every NBA player that's ever happened yes. or, you know, every conference that each college football team is in. It's it's really amazing. So he's into um, the sports like my son. He too. does. <laughs> yeah. He, it's funny. He doesn't play him, but he sure, right. he sure likes to learn about him. Right. Yeah. I, you know, sometimes I've even thought, well, oh, it's a blessing. He's hyper-focused on sports. Then maybe it'll give him something more typical to talk with people right. about. Um, but Boston has still, he is, <laughs> I'll be honest with you, he doesn't have a friend in the world right now. And thank goodness he has oh. a sister that is incredible with him mm-hmm. and is there to... I'm so be sorry. There. It's, but you, you, it happens. It's like, the hardest thing. Yeah. <laughs> you want your kids to have friends and yeah. have a full, and as, full life. As they get older, it just becomes way more difficult. When he was first diagnosed, we lived um, in a subdivision that had 40 kids on that street. And they just were used to Boston. So it was like, it's kind sure of he's a little quirky, him. but he's uh-huh. just part of it, you know? And right. they, when kids are two, three, four years old, they're way more accepting. But as they get older and older, mm-hmm. it, it became, oh, I would start to hear he, things like he's just weird or, you know, um, in elementary, my daughter would say, you know, he just walks the track at, at recess. And I would say, what, uh. what don't kids like about him? And she'd say, I don't know, mom, he's just weird. <laughs> and But it's sometimes you can't even piece exactly what they're doing wrong you know Mm -hmm. i'm not there as a parent at recess knowing exactly what he's saying to kids you know right um or what he's doing that's quirky and i think we as parents get so used to their quirks that a lot of times it's 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 our normal it's it's just who they are yeah and you love them so much that it's like how Mm -hmm. how would you not love this child and (laughs) the social (laughs) social aspect is super i know super tough it is um, what would you say? Sorry, no, I I'm sorry. No, I, <laughs> I feel I understand a hundred percent. Yeah. And it doesn't, <laughs> I, I, I don't anticipate it getting any easier. And it's, I hate to, it's probably not, um, I hate to tell you that, but that's about the point where we were at. Yeah. Like I can't, can't do this anymore to him or to us. So yeah. What would you say to parents that get this diagnosis? What would you tell them? That's a big thing. But. You got a long road ahead. Um, and I don't know that our road's ever going to end. Right. Um, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just being realistic. There are <laughs> continual challenges. Right. Yeah. And, and they and, change. And, and something new will always pop up. And 
you just have to do like your gut is your your compass it's your navigation you have to trust it because it's not going to steer you wrong and i i follow my gut and you know we are where we are today i'm not saying because of me ryan is amazing but i i knew i just i always knew and i just the right steps to take and i just kept going with that because you know, you know in your heart when you feel something's right and yeah. you just got to go. Mamas know. Mamas <laughs> definitely know. And I think there's, there is a lot of hope too. I have seen so much growth. Oh, it's with, I mean, from, from diagnosis to now, it's like a whole new autism world. There's absolutely. so much available and so many therapies and, you know, diets and vitamins and, you know, whatever way you want to go, you can. Mm-hmm. And yeah. there's so many things to explore. And now that it's a little more accepted, um, maybe it's a little more normal now to hear the word autism. There's right. People have so a better understanding. There. Yes. And there's so many moms, you know, I think you'd be shocked if you went to the grocery store, you could probably turn around and see five moms that are probably in the same boat as you or were at some point. Yeah. Were you able to connect with other moms back in 2003 or no, you know, there's no social media. There's, yeah. you know, to find out about a support group, it'd be hanging in the library hall. You know, it's just so weird, but that's what happened. And, um, you know, it wasn't until like social media was introduced that you can find moms like you and, you know, there's Facebook groups and there's social things for your kids. You can take your kids to and you won't be judged. And yeah. And we have all of that available to us now. It's amazing. And I was so fortunate. Boston was diagnosed in 2008. So it was right. It was just becoming started happening and services were available and we were aware of those services and, you know, meeting other moms that had that same diagnosis was so Mm -hmm. huge, especially moms that had kids that were maybe a couple years older than my son. And I could see they, they were talking or they were doing things that I didn't know if he'd ever be able to do. And it gave me so much hope Mm -hmm. and encouragement. And when you get a diagnosis like this, sometimes it, it makes you feel pretty alone in the world. You go Absolutely. from all the moms that are just doing play dates and yep. all of the normal kid things and you're rushing your kid to therapy yep. and your world just flips. And here's your family and, you know, you're kind of isolated from yes. everyone else. And so when you can make that connection, it's, it's pretty it's cool. Huge. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing Ryan's story. Oh, of story. course. Yes. And you have had a couple curveballs in <laughs> life. So we're going to shift a few to <laughs> the other one. I'm sure there's many I don't even know about, but. Well, um, don't we all? <laughs> yes, we all definitely do. But um, you had another little something hit in your life. This has been, what, two, three years ago? About two and a half years. And you had Mm -hmm. a brain aneurysm or a stroke of some sort. I did. Yeah. It's a hemorrhagic stroke. So what happened? (laughs) This happened just all of a sudden or were there warning signs? What happened? Probably in my opinion, the worst case scenario, but our family took a wonderful vacation to Mexico over Christmas break. Mm -hmm. Um, Great trip, you know, coming home, took a flight from like Cancun to Denver Landed in Denver, got through customs, um, got to the ticket counter, trying to change our flight. And I turn around um, and I just have this pain that I cannot describe in my head other than like I felt like I got hit by a baseball bat or kicked by a horse or something. Did you think something like that had happened? That I mean, that something had hit you? I don't even really remember, honestly. I just went like it. It was just the most... I guess I kind of felt like I was going to die right when that I felt that like this is not normal. Yeah. Um, and then I, 
I couldn't, I remember I couldn't really see. Um, I felt really wobbly and then just immediately started vomiting. Um, oh my goodness. So, you know, in, in the middle of Denver airport in the middle of Christmas with all my kids and my husband, you know, I didn't know what was happening. And, um, so I think you guys, I think they got me somewhere, a restaurant or something. Jennifer's then, husband, Eric's in the room. Do you just come <laughs> join in for this one oh, little no. piece? Cause she probably doesn't totally. I don't really remember. remember, honestly. No, I just, somehow I got on the plane back home. But. So what was it like from your perspective? What happened? Um, well, I, it was really confusing. I was trying to uh, get everybody together and we were going to get some food. Everybody was starving and everything. And then all of a sudden this happened. So um, I had my daughter, Allie, take her to the bathroom and helped her with her vomiting and everything like that. And um, then she brought her out. She could barely walk. I mean, I was just scared. Um, sure. I could tell she was, was I could, <laughs> terrifying. I could I tell think. she was scared. And we went to a, a restaurant um, in there and, and we had, about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we had a great server um, in there and, and helped us with it. They brought us a trash can. Throwing and up in the she's thrown up in a trash can in the <laughs> restaurant. They cordoned off oh. the entire area for oh, us. And then she thought she was just having a, a really bad um, migraine. And so, um, the airport was really good. Uh, she had migraine medicine in I've her. I've had migraines in the past, but okay. nothing, yeah. nothing this kind of pain. And so <laughs> they got the, the medicine out of the checked bags and they brought that and she took it. It did. Just migraine medicine. Yeah. Right. It did absolutely nothing. Um, and then, um, the, I remember amp, the, the, EM, they yeah, the EMT, for, yeah. They came and they didn't know what to do. Like he gave me oxygen or something. And I, I think they were yeah. like, well, we can take you to the hospital. But like, I just wanted to get, I wanted to get my kids home. Yeah. Right. I just wanted to get home. And it was like midnight. So Weird. somehow got on a plane and, and got home. And Wow. So you didn't even go to the hospital. You no. got on a no. plane like and st- came like How stupid. But, but honestly, you didn't know. I, but I think if I did, would have gone, I think I would have ended up having brain surgery mm-hmm. in Denver. So... It's probably a good thing that we just came well, home. She's really stubborn anyway, especially when it comes to the kids. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she wants those kids home. So that's what right. we did. Um, got her home. Uh, she didn't sleep that whole night. I, I woke up um, in the morning and uh, she hadn't slept. She just still throwing s- up. For... Still throwing up. And, and the pain persisting. Oh my God. The pain. Yeah. It was excruciating. And I, I talked her into going to urgent care. Finally, and we went there, and I think they gave her some pain meds or something. Yeah, like give me a nothing, shot in my nothing. Leg so they didn't pain. know when you described what had no. happened. They didn't know immediately. Is, like, no, this isn't a migraine. No, these this are is two this. medical professionals that just sort of were like, okay, it's a stress headache or a migraine. Go on home. So <laughs> I, I you think know, they gave so, you a muscle relaxing. So shot. I went home, and two days oh. later, fine, I think it was New Year's Eve, and Eric was like, okay, before all the crazies, go to the ER on New Year's because they're parties. Let's we're get going you in. To the emergency you're going yes. to the ER, um, and then MRI, and then you know, like unhooked me from everything. No more medication in case they had to have. I had to have surgery. Yeah. Um, the doctor there. This was at Saint Al's in Nampa. Was we thought it'd be the least crowded ER. So he knew exactly when she did. started talking about it. He knew exactly. He's like, that's a thunderclap headache. That's a sign of of a brain aneurysm. And, and so he got me right in there and. Loaded her up and they took her to the St. Luke's, I think. No, St. Al's. 
Yeah. Which yeah. a brain aneurysm, I actually have a, a friend of mine whose husband passed away from a brain aneurysm. It was it's, like... It's the most... You, not many people survive. No. Those. And did they tell you with that? Like you're super lucky to be alive? Yes. Or... Okay. Yeah. And I, I don't remember how long I was in the hospital, but it was the snowmageddon year. Yes. So I didn't... I mean, of course I minded, but it was just a, it was just a crazy time and... I don't really remember how long we were in there, but it was, you know, kind of, I had to kind of learn to rewalk. I had to, had speech therapy, physical therapy. Um, it's been a really long road. <laughs> Are there still lasting effects? Oh, yes. Yesterday was a really bad day for me. Um, it was kind of fitting I was coming here today to talk about it, but, you know, just have to pick and choose my activities. Because mm-hmm. um, if not, I'll, by the end of the day, you know, it's, hard to talk I just I can't even get food in my mouth sometimes really? like I was eating the other night and we had golfed which I love and you know I I don't want to give up things that make me happy and sure but it just it's sometimes it's not worth it and I'm trying to eat and it just food's going on my mouth and yeah you know, the fatigue is horrible it's, it's not like a tired it's like a brain like I don't even want to talk I feel so tired just like a conversation can, a conversation yeah, like, like right this now, can be completely draining. Yeah, like I'm feeling just, you know, it's hard to get my words out sometimes. Um, and did they predict that this will get better or no? No. This is kind of your this new is kind of reality. It. This is my new normal. So still need to kind of come to terms with that. Yeah. Um, it's just been, it's been really, really, really hard on me. And I know people go through with things that are a lot worse and. You know, they're just right back up and at it. But this is really taking it out on me. Well, I think, you know, one message that I want to get across with this podcast is first. Yes, everyone has their own struggles. Everyone's going to have something that just derails their world. Right. But at the same time, I think we need to stop comparing those struggles and saying like, well, what I'm going through isn't as bad as other people. Or (laughs) I think we need to start connecting instead of comparing our struggles you know and yeah yes you can say someone else has been through something more difficult or someone's been through something less difficult than the struggles that you've had and and I think almost anyone can say that but that doesn't (laughs) mean that your struggles aren't valid you know what I mean and that you have a message and that you have right to say this is not cool <laughs> right you know this yeah is not I, mean, fun. I, just, I always try to be strong for everybody you know but so it's hard to not be that person that yeah I usually that am. you were mm-hmm. and and maybe I don't know maybe there's some weird little blessings in that in that I'm you sure there always is you know I'm sure with I mean, anything it's sometimes you can't <laughs> see it when you're in the thick of it but mm-hmm. There's always little blessings with these struggles. Well, I won't keep you (laughs) talking. (laughs) We'll let you rest. But um, just thank you so much for sharing your story. It's wonderful to meet a fellow autism mom and, you know, text me anytime because I've I've been there, done that. So, well, I think you're incredible and you're inspiring. Both things that you've gone through. Ditto. Thank you. Just (laughs) you're an amazing woman. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining this edition of Not The Way I Planned. If you liked what you heard, you can find more at notthewayiplanned.com as well as Not The Way I Planned on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. 